you have learned much about You've stumbled onto the sleeping giant. Let's broaden our minds. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Marcotte, and today's episode is our very first episode. So again, welcome, and thank you for joining me. Um, today, I would like to talk about the nature of the sleeping giant and sort of set the stage for the program. I'd like to talk a bit about what it is, what it could be, and perhaps a little of what you want it to be. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback, as we always want to do a bit better every show. Now, I thought it would be appropriate to round out the first episode of the Sleeping Giant podcast by talking about the Star Wars Journey to the Force Awakens campaign, as well as the Star Wars Expanded Universe and its transition into what's now Star Wars Legends. So I think I've got a good show for you. I'm very excited to be sharing it with you. So um, without any further delay, let's dig right in. So, what is the sleeping giant? That is likely to be a somewhat multifaceted answer, as it's evolved quite a bit since its initial inception. Uh, Strictly speaking, it was perceived to be the name of a trading card and toy company. Mine, specifically, as I've always held a passion for comics, toys, and games, and having my own shop was kind of a pipe dream. While that's still sort of on the horizon... It's now the name of this podcast, and um, also the name of a general collective of ideas and potential projects. Those of you familiar with the artist and musician Maynard James Keenan may also be aware of his project Pussifer, which is also sort of a quote-unquote collective. Um, I would wager that, at least conceptually speaking, the Sleeping Giant and Pussifer are um, kinfolk, or at the very least... Uh, distant cousins of the imagination. Having said that, I think that for now, we'd like to stay focused on the so-called nerdier side of pop culture, wherever that may take us. There's also our web store, which, much like Frankenfurter's creation, is still on the slab and waiting for just the right amount of zazz, that jolt of life. Um, When it's up and running, you're going to find a lot in there. Comics, cards, all manner of action figures, collectibles, and various memorabilia. Most impressively, we're showcasing artwork by the lovely and creative Maggie Ransom, whom I was, as some of you may know, able to hornswoggle into becoming my wife. Uh, that, That is a separate tale altogether, one we may get into in the future. Um, But for now, she's been working on brilliant, wonderful tributes to some of our favorite characters, and I'll wager that there's some of your favorites as well, and it's going to be quite something. We're excited to make it available to you, so I really can't wait to get that going. Um, Keeping the above in mind, do keep checking back with us, because we're likely to have all manner of giveaways and contests. We'd like to encourage you, the listener, to participate in what we've got happening. Um... Currently, I'm working with various individuals uh, and acquaintances to put together our very first call-in episode. Um, The collaborations are going pretty well, and I have no doubt that a lot of you are going to be pleased. Uh, I'm pleased. It's good, good stuff, so do keep listening. Um, 
Well, that pretty much wraps up the first segment uh, covering what is the sleeping giant, answering some of those questions. And it turns out it wasn't that complex after all. As we mentioned in the introduction to the episode, one of the things that we'll be talking about today is the Star Wars Journey to the Force Awakens campaign. Now, the Journey to the Force Awakens campaign was a marketing campaign um, that involved several comic books, young adult novels, and trading cards that were all designed to help bridge the gaps between the original trilogy, which of course consisted of Star Wars Episodes 4, 5, and 6, with the upcoming trilogy, which, as you know, began with Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Uh, the Journey to the Force Awakens campaign was pretty much aimed at uh, at getting people excited and, uh, you know, um, kind of geared up for the new Star Wars movies as if they really needed, um, you know, <laughs> merchandise and, and uh, you know, various books and, and whatnot to accomplish that. I mean, I've only been waiting all of my life for Episode Seven, so... Um, either way, it was still a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I had a really good time diving back into Star Wars. Um, I had pretty much sworn off collecting um, for a number of years before Force Friday. Um, and Force Friday, of course, saw the release of of the Journey to the Force Awakens um, books, cards, and whatnot. So... Um, yeah, they pulled me right back in and I was just as excited as I'd ever been. So one of the things that I'd like to share with you now is, uh, the Star Wars Journey to the Force Awakens trading card series from Topps. I know I kind of hinted that I had given up on collecting just a moment ago, but I don't, I don't want to say that I grew out of it so much as my bank account grew a bit tight. You got to remember too that the Kenner Power of the Force figures from '95 cost a meager four dollars and ninety-nine cents, maybe four ninety-nine, four seventy-nine, somewhere in there. They're almost twice that now. So yeah, good times, good, painfully expensive times. Um, I came close, incredibly close to relapsing when the Star Wars Black series launched. I don't know how or why I was able to avoid it, but I did. Um, I corrected, um, I, I somehow managed to correct that behavior. Don't, don't ask me how. Um, I did covet them though. I, I did covet those action figures and it was, it was painful to see them displayed. Uh, anyway, flash forward a few years and I'm, I'm working, um, bebopping along and I see these Journey to the Force Awakens cards hanging, um, on a shelf at Walgreens. Now I see them and they're looking all retro and cool. And a voice inside me says, don't do it. You buy one pack and it's over. So I didn't, if you can believe that I didn't honest to God. I don't know if it was some kind of morally superior vibe that I was writing. Like I had mastered myself somehow. I don't know, but this went on for some time. And eventually my friend, Matt, uh, to whom I hadn't spoken in a while, he sends me a message, and we're shooting the stuff, you know, like you do, and he mentions the Black Series collection, and that Darth Maul specifically was pretty hot, and I'm like, you know, I, I've actually got one. I do have one, and it had been a Christmas gift from my little brother, and yeah, it was it was Darth Maul, so 
now I kind of feel the fever. And, you know, Force Friday had just had just occurred. Um, and I'm buying these cards from Walgreens and that's it. It's it's that's it. Um, it's over. The cards were just amazing printed on a 24 point heritage stock. They've got that really just amazing retro feel and the sort of washed out star field border that they chose um, really makes the images pop. And it's, I mean, it's just a direct throwback to the first wave of the top star Wars cards printed in 77. Right now I have my star Wars journey to the force awakens card collection from tops. Um, I've got my master set that I'm looking at here. Different people have, different uh, opinions or ideas about what a master set is and you know as far as I'm concerned there's no room for authority when it comes when it comes to that now I mean if there is an authority well by all means point it out to me I'd, I'd like to know if there is an official definition of a master set but my definition of a master set is the uh, the base parallel which in this case is the blue star field that's a 110 card base set um, moving forward, you would have the next rarest parallel, which in this case is the, um, the Jabba Slime Green Starfield. Um, and then after that, of course, you would have all the base inserts um, from the set. So in this case, the master set consists of 110 blue cards, 110 green cards, and all of the inserts. So... I'm looking at that right now, and um, one thing that you'll notice about this set is uh, it's, it is very much a throwback to the 1977 release from Topps. Um, the Blue Star Field, for example, is, uh, is directly, um, directly related to or reflective of the Blue Star Field that was used in that first series from 1977. Um, so again, there are 110 of those. Um, moving on to uh, parallels, again, you have the Jabba Slime Green, a Black Star Field, um, a Death Star Silver, and a Lightsaber Neon, which was a really obnoxious bright pink. They look cool, um, but it was extremely vibrant. Um, and then lastly, you had a Purple, which I want to say was 1 in 24, um, those were the odds of getting the the purple parallel, so they were pretty rare. Um, the hobby boxes included um, additional rarer rarer parallels, uh, such as a Hoth frosted ice, which were uh, limited to 150. That was kind of a a silver star field with a kind of a hologram sheen to it. And then you had a gold star field, which was numbered to 50, uh, which was similar but gold. And then the red Imperial Guard, which in my mind was the coolest. Um, it was a red star field, and those were limited at one red Imperial Guard border per card. So somewhere out there, there is a collector and or collectors that are driving themselves crazy trying to get a whole set of that. And it, good luck to them. It's probably not going to happen. Um, also included in hobby boxes were, um, in the Journey to the Force Awakens set, there were... Um, Two hits per hobby box, I believe, and those included uh, buyback cards, which were again throwbacks to the uh, the release from the '70s. You had printing plates, um, patch cards, which were also really cool. 
those again were uh, a throwback to to some of the original inserts. Uh, you have sketch cards, which I was fortunate enough to get one of. Um, those can be really cool. They're they're basically um, just artist renditions of certain characters and objects from the Star Wars universe, um, done in watercolor, pencil, acrylic. Um, I have actually a um, Imperial probe droid that was um, let's see that was done in watercolor and just looking at the card now um, that was by artist Kate Carlton so their signature is actually on the back of the card it's it's really cool um, and then of course you had autographs which um, included a number of characters all signed uh, by the actors and or the voice actors that uh, that portrayed them so you had a lot of really cool cards in this set um, and uh, and I had a lot of fun collecting it. Uh, looking at the inserts from Journey to the Force Awakens, you had, uh, and this again is apart from the 110 base cards and all their various parallels, you had 18 stickers, um, which featured character profiles um, facing forward with a thick colored border around the character, so again, very retro. Nine material stickers, which uh, were, again, character stickers kind of done up in an old-school patch fashion, um, and the uh, the sticker itself was sort of cloth-textured. You had eight holofoils, and um, there were supposed to have been nine Evolution of the Lightsaber cards. Now, that didn't happen for this set. It's it's on the wrapper, but the, um, the Evolution of Lightsaber wasn't actually included. That was... Uh, an insert set from a later series called Star Wars Evolution, which we may talk about in a future episode, but that was a hobby-only set. You couldn't buy that in retail stores. Uh, but again, it was Evolution, and they included the Evolution of the Lightsaber set in uh, that series of cards. Um, you have nine concept art cards, nine behind-the-scene cards, um, and about... The uh, the behind-the-scenes cards, there is one really cool thing about those, and that is they had an orange border which reflected the uh, the fifth series of the original Star Wars Topps trading cards. That came out in 1978, I think. Um, so that's that was another really cool homage. Um, I think my favorite inserts, though, from this set was probably... Um, the ones that they did as store exclusives, there were um, there there were a few different ones. There was the Toys R Us exclusive, which was really cool. They were blueprint cards, um, which I'm going to flip to that now. They were blueprint cards that uh, were kind of um, like a, a schematic for different droids and vehicles, and uh, in and throughout the Star Wars saga. You had the um, the Walgreens exclusives, which I thought were really cool. Um, they were called classic captions, and they were scenes from the uh, the original trilogy. And uh, they have a red border um, with the Star Wars logo in the bottom left corner. And again, it's kind of a throwback to the second series um, of the original Star Wars trading cards, as they featured a, a solid red border instead of the blue star field for the uh, for the base set. So that was a really cool thing. Um, again, that was from Walgreens. Now, 
Toys R Us had, um, again, the blueprints. I think I mentioned those. Uh, Walmart carried a Family Legacy set, which was a nine-card set. And it focused, as you can imagine, on family members throughout the series. So um, by way of instance, you would have, uh, there's a card with Bail Organa and Princess Leia Organa. Um, you have Darth Maul and Savage Opress from uh, the Clone Wars. Uh, Darth Maul, of course, originally appearing in Star Wars Episode One, But who, uh, who remembers that, right? Um, Padme and Princess Leia. Um, and I think probably my favorite card, um, well, actually, you know what? I think my favorite is probably Darth Maul and Savage Opress. That, that's likely to be my favorite. But again, the exclusive inserts were really cool and uh, sometimes kind of hard to get, but I really enjoyed those. Um, lastly, Target had an exclusive series. Um, let's see, and these were called Choose Your Destiny. I'm not entirely sure why they opted to call it that, but they are uh, vintage photos of uh, characters from the original trilogy. It's a nine-card set. Um, so you've got Obi-Wan, Chewbacca, R2, Darth Vader, Lando Calrissian, Boba Fett, Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, and Han Solo. Again, very classic, very cool. Um, so basically, this set takes you in an abbreviated fashion through different key scenes of the Star Wars films. Uh, from Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, all the way to the beginning of Episode Seven, The Force Awakens. Um, naturally, the scenes halt about a quarter of the way through the film because, obviously. I say obviously, but to be clear, the card set was released a couple of months before Episode Seven, so they didn't want to give anything away, they didn't want to spoil the film, uh, before anyone had a chance to see it. So that's really all that was going on there. It's, uh, it's a perfect set, though. I love them. Um, actually, let me back up. It's an almost perfect set because the only gripe I have is with, like a lot of other card sets, um, nine consecutive cards will form a mosaic image uh, or a complete picture on the backside. Um, but for whatever reason, in this set, some of those cards just don't link up. Um, so you kind of got a, a scrambled picture um, on the back side of that card sleeve. So if you're remotely obsessive, which if you're a collector, you likely are, then it's it's a real bummer. Um, I do love them, though. I do. And I was overjoyed to see that the Rogue One mission briefing set is going to continue the throwback aesthetic of the Journey set. And uh, that card set will be coming out on September 30th of this year, so very, very soon. Um, it's going to be really exciting. I think this Force Friday is going to see the release of several uh, new Star Wars toys, uh, games, and card sets, comics. It's going to be really cool, um, you know, just to bring us around and, and, and get us even more hyped up for Star Wars Rogue One. Um, so I'm super excited about it, and uh, I imagine that we're going to have a couple of giveaways after this Force Friday as I will have hopefully procured uh, a few new items, and uh, likely I will be in fits of ecstatic revelation. So um, stick around. I'm super, super stoked about it, and uh, I hope that you are too. It is with full awareness that I am late to the game by announcing major changes in the Star Wars universe um, that I'm going to go ahead and talk about some of those changes. 
with Episode 7 having been out for almost one year, and with a brand new Star Wars film just a couple of months away, there aren't very many of us that uh, aren't aware of some major happenings. There are still some cracks that I think we could and probably should smooth over, though, because there are always just a few of us, a small handful of us, who aren't uh, necessarily on the same page, sometimes quite literally, because when it comes to sci-fi and fantasy, there's no wind to alternate storylines, retconning, parallel universes, and, and major character changes that don't maintain consistency. Though Star Wars and Marvel are not strangers to one another, and have both featured their share of clones, Spider-Man, looking at you, the former generally hasn't been as guilty of that level of letdown and confusion. Um, that, uh, actually, if you can forgive that whole Django Fett is Boba's daddy, midichlorian fiasco, and frankly everything George Lucas did with the prequels, then, then Star Wars has actually been pretty straightforward, with a long and illustrious history of expanded universe material that has, until very recently, become canon. And that is exactly what I'd like to talk about now. So basically, with Disney's acquisition of Star Wars, they have taken an approach to the richness of the Star Wars canon that I think was the smartest and best thing that they could do with what they had to work with, as well as what they had planned for the future of the franchise. Um at least as far as, as we know. Essentially, everything that had been part of the quote-unquote expanded universe, now that's to say comic storylines, um, our beloved Timothy Zahn novels from back in the day, um, the Shadows of the Empire novel by Steve Perry, that, that one in particular jumps out at me. It was a favorite of mine. Uh, video games like Knights of the Old Republic, all that has now been rebranded Star Wars Legends. And to me, that's pretty amazing because it's like they're saying, hey, guys, we know you love this stuff, so we're not going to just tell you to forget about it, that it never happened. Um, screw you. No, it's it to me, it feels like they're saying, hey, we know you love this stuff, um, so maybe this is what could have happened. Maybe this is what might have been. And I don't know. To me, that just feels a lot better. It feels like we're being acknowledged as fans and that's something that I can really appreciate. Now, one thing that has been done conveniently is that Delray Publishing has included at the front of their newer Star Wars novels an official timeline. That way, when you pick up, say, Heir to the Jedi, like I did, you know where it fits into the now official Star Wars canon. So, picking up the book and turning past the title page, Heir to the Jedi, you'll see a page with the Star Wars logo up top, which also reads the Del Rey timeline. Um, so here you have, um, in chronological order from the top of the page to the bottom, uh, a list of the Star Wars films. And in between the films, you have uh, television series and novels that uh, tie the movies together and complete the timeline um, from Episode One: The Phantom Menace all the way to The Force Awakens. So that, I thought, was really cool. Some of you may have noticed that from that list, there are missing several comic books, uh, young adult novels, and novellas um, that were also part of the Journey to the Force Awakens movement. For instance, there was the prequel, if you will, to The Force Awakens, a book of standalone novellas from author Greg Rucka. 
these smaller tales uh, did focus on the characters Ray, Finn, and Poe Dameron, and and those stories went in to sort of who they were or who they are, what they were doing, and what they were all about before the start of The Force Awakens. There's also Smuggler's Run, which was a young adult novel from Greg Rucka. Uh, this one in particular is a Han Solo adventure, as you, you probably already guessed, and it's set directly after the Battle of Yavin and Episode 4. Um, I did enjoy that one quite a bit. Uh, there are two more of those in uh, a similar vein. There's Moving Target, which is a Princess Leia adventure. In fact, that is the, the subtitle of the, of the novel. Um, by Cecil Castellucci and Jason Fry. And then there's um, The Weapon of a Jedi, which is the Luke Skywalker story. Um, not least of all is uh, Shattered Empire, and that is a miniseries from Marvel Comics. And this was, yet again, written by our man Greg Rucka and consisted of four issues that take place between episodes six and seven. Um, all of the aforementioned titles were meant to bridge that gap between the original trilogy and The Force Awakens. Uh, they dropped small clues, made illusions, and uh, if you haven't already, I recommend checking some of it out. Shattered Empire, too, I'll mention, had some wonderful alternate covers. Um, a lot of the Marvel comics have just, I mean, just a, they got bukus of alternate covers. Um, but my favorite from Shattered Empire was from the first issue of the series, um, and I've got it in my personal collection. That is the Ewok Village Celebration cover by artists Phil Noto and Mark Cicchetto. I always love that closing scene, uh, the original scene and soundtrack, um, because it forever, up until last year anyway, it forever um, solidified the end of Star Wars in my mind, or at least the end of the Star Wars films. So if you get a chance, definitely check it out. I highly recommend that uh, you read any of those, really, any of the comics, any of the novels, uh, young adult or no, they're all just, they're awesome. I, I really enjoyed it, and, and it's been a way um, for a fan of Star Wars to almost, in some ways, rediscover it, and it's been really fun. I've had a lot of fun doing it, and, and I think that if you check them out, you'll have a lot of fun as well. Well, there you have it, folks. That is our show. I feel like it was, in the very least, an adequate introduction to who we are and what we are about. I'd like to offer a sincere thanks to everyone for listening and for giving us the opportunity to put ourselves out there and to start growing. So I hope you enjoyed my commentary on Star Wars Journey to the Force Awakens and the related comic books, novels, and trading cards. Um, again, thank you so much. Looking ahead to the next show, um, it will be after September 30th, which, uh, again, is Force Friday. So coming back, we're going to put the focus on uh, Star Wars Rogue One Mission Briefing, which uh, will be the, the new Tops release um, as far as their trading cards go. We're going to have, uh, hopefully, a full set of those. Uh, so wish me luck on that one. Um, and again, we should hopefully have some of the new Black Series stuff. Uh, again, I think it's gonna be gonna be really cool being uh, being out there after midnight for that release. Um, so don't forget that you can find us on Facebook and Instagram um, at SG Cards and Toys uh, for both of them. That's SG the word and toys. No ampersand on my watch. Thanks. 
you can also email us at sgcardsandtoys at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd appreciate it even if all you wanted to do was come by and say hello. So, again, thanks for listening, uh, and we'll see you next time, hopefully. I'm Grayson Marcotte, and uh, this has been the Sleeping Giant Podcast.